You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Off and running on this Wednesday, September 2nd. Hey there. This is the Gordon Damer Show. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Jam-packed, people. 60 minutes straight ahead. So let's not waste any time. How is everybody feeling? Oh, geez. Sorry to hear that. Well, it's Wednesday. It's uh, the middle of the week. Of course, you know the deal. 60 minutes to run through it all. Can we do it? Well, let's try anyway. The number, of course, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question. We got one of them today. We've done it again. Came right down to the wire, but pulled one out of the fire. Uh, And so today is Wednesday. So we have uh, headlines in the third segment. We got moment of inspiration at 530-ish. And, of course, update on my fantasy football mush status. Which I'm guessing, probably, you dismissed a couple of days ago. You pro ah, you know what, Gordon? He blow he's he's melodramatic, he's blowing it out of proportion. Now you get a glimpse. Now you're starting to get the picture. And you probably realize this only ends one way. And that way that it ends is with Alvin Kamara just retiring from the it's the only way. I have been down this road before and I can see the future. That's uh, part of the beauty of me. But, of course, want to hear from you as well. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Where to begin today? Well, you know what? Let's begin with the NBA. Because if you're just waking up, Nuggets take Game 7 last night against the Jazz, 80-78. to So after all the fireworks of the first uh, six games, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell back and forth, this Lowest, I would think, right? This has to have been the lowest scoring game of the playoffs so far, unless I'm missing one. Uh, Denver had only 30 points in the second half and still won the game despite blowing a 19-point lead in the game. They get a basket by Jokic with uh, about 27 seconds to go. He finished with 30, 14 boards. So, you know, both teams seem kind of gassed. And I guess this doesn't exactly bode well for the Nuggets uh, because they play on Thursday. Uh, game one against the Clippers. So, uh, but good for Denver to uh, pull off that uh, that that win last night, and you know, uh, a tough way for the playoffs to end for the Jazz. So they're what the twelfth team now to allow a three-one lead to slip away. And uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell will tell you, you know, this is just the beginning. This is just the start. But like every team, uh, the Jazz, notwithstanding, they have some questions to answer as well. So uh, Mike Connolly, I think, is uh, heading into the final year of his deal. Uh, I think uh, they have a couple other guys who are heading into the final year of their deal, so it's going to be interesting to see what changes they make. And, of course, the Rudy Gobert situation, uh, whether or not that relationship is repaired enough or whether or not that's a move that Utah is going to make. You know, it's always well and good to say, you know what, this is just the beginning, and maybe it's because I'm a Dolphin fan who saw Dan Marino go to the Super Bowl in year two and never go back. Uh, It's all well and good to say, you know what, this is just the beginning. We don't know how these things turn out, and uh, there's lots of change in every sport, so um, tough way for the Jazz to see their season come to an end. Celtics go up 2-0 on the Raptors there, 102-99. And then tonight, you really get some some fascinating games. Now, I hate the fact that you are into the second round of the playoffs even before the first round of the playoffs is, is over, and you get a fascinating Game 7 tonight. And a fascinating game, too, which a fa- every game seven is always fascinating, right? It's, it's Everything's on the line. Not often you use the term fascinating game, too. 
But I think that that is uh, what you get tonight with the Bucks and the Heat because, as I said, was it yesterday, two days ago? I don't remember when I said it. Game ones in playoff series are generally overblown. Everybody gets worked up over what happens in game one. Oh, boy, this means trouble. This means that. And when it's really just the start. And in every playoff series, especially NBA series, it's about the adjustments. What, it's not just about what happened in game one because game one generally is not going to have a carryover to game two. As the series moves along, themes and strategies take hold. But game one is just the beginning. And I get why people would sometimes overblow it because it's all the evidence you have of those two teams playing at that point. So game one, Heat beat the Bucks. And plenty of people. Now, there were some. I think uh, Mike Greenberg said before the series that he liked the Heat to beat the Bucks, which is a good call by him if it turns out to be the case. You know, but after game one, the, the seats on the Heat bandwagon, very difficult to find. You can find two seats, but they're not together, people. You know, one's row C over here and one's in the back, you know, way in the back. So uh, Giannis can't do this. He can't do that. He's got to take a bigger load. Miami's designed to beat the Bucks because of their three-point shooting. Game, game ones are overblown. That said, game two is critical. <laughs> you better win game two, Milwaukee. Otherwise, you're uh, halfway to being eliminated. So uh, big game two tonight and a big game seven tonight, Rockets and Thunder. It certainly feels like The end is near for this Rockets regime. Now, there's already been talk that Mike D'Antoni could be moving on after this season. You know, the Rockets make that big deal to bring in Russell Westbrook and, um, you know, and they move out Chris Paul. So, you know, there's nothing that Chris Paul would love more than to end the Rockets season after he's the guy that uh, gets moved out. Uh, But um, it seems like it's coming to an end here pretty quickly for the Rockets, if not tonight whenever their season comes to an end. And it seems like the, uh, the, the, the possibility of the Rockets winning a title under this current uh, regime, this current uh, makeup, those days are, are pretty much over. And the window of opportunity is just about closed. But we'll see. You know, maybe, maybe strange things happen in the playoffs. Strange things happen in the bubble. So maybe this is the Game 7 where uh, James Harden steps up tonight. And the Rockets step up and are, are clutch in a way that uh, they're not generally in the playoffs, but uh, we shall see. You know, you get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs when you're a team like the Rockets after bringing in Russell Westbrook. There's no way to uh, sugarcoat that. That's a disaster. That's an absolute disaster. Speaking of ends, Mets lost to the Orioles last night, 9-5, so now 15-21 and on the season. Happy birthday, Luis Rojas. Uh, another offer for Pete Alonso. And, uh, you know, we've kind of focused on it, and they kind of focused on it a little bit on, uh, I don't know if anybody else watches uh, MLB Network, but uh, MLB Now, uh, hosted by Brian Kenny, they were kind of focusing a little bit on Pete Alonso yesterday, taking a look at some numbers uh, that uh, are really not that far off from where he was a year ago. The, the numbers that would concern you a little bit is the hard hit rate, his barrels that he's, you know, he's just not squaring up the ball like he did a a year ago, and those numbers are way down. Now, the good thing, as I mentioned yesterday, the good thing is the Mets' biggest advantage is still in play. And that biggest advantage is you cannot play your way out of contention in the National League this year. Simply have one good week. And that's all the Mets need right now is one good week. And they will be right back in 
playoff contention. Problem is, there's only like three weeks left. <laughs> so, you know, finding that one good week, the selections are starting to run. You got to pick one of the three. It's not like you got one of seven or one of eight. And uh, speaking of Luis Rojas, you know, I've heard some fans saying that, especially with ownership, you know, the new ownership, uh, Steve Cohen, it seems like, by all accounts. Although, in fairness, when it was announced, when was that? Friday, right? That was Friday when Steve Cohen, the reports came out, he is entering into exclusive negotiations. A-Rod's group puts out the, the statement that they're not going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to win the bidding. The reports were, this should be wrapped up in a few days. Now, look, it has only been, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, it's coming up on a week. Uh, I don't know. There's not been any reports of any trouble. Seems like, by all accounts, that uh, the ownership questions uh, in terms of getting approval for Steve Cohen are all but done. But it has not, has anybody seen anything where it's a done deal? And when it's, and when it's a Wilpons, I mean, we've been down this road a couple of times already. I don't know. I'm sure it is going. It's just a matter of time. I'm sure today it'll pop up and it'll be a done deal. But uh, it is a little strange that they said it's just going to take a couple of days. And it's been a couple of days and uh, it has not happened yet. But in terms of Luis Rojas, I've seen a lot of people saying with the new ownership, you know what? This could be anytime you have new ownership, there's going to be change. There's going to be change in players. There's going to be change in the front office. And... Rojas, at least so far, has not exactly distinguished himself as a manager, the handling the bullpen, Diaz stuff. Uh, I've seen people, you know, switching out guys for defense only to see those spots come up again in the order. And, I mean, not to sugarcoat it, but uh, he was not their first choice, right? I mean, Carlos Beltran was the choice of this Mets brass. Everything happened with him. Had to move on from him. Although, I... I (laughs) (laughs) It's strange that he's the only one that had to actually, you know, really suffer in terms of uh, that outside of uh, the Astros uh, manager and GM themselves. But, you know, people are already kind of floating out there that this could be one and done for Luis Rojas. Rookie manager, true. Strange season, true. But could this be, I think that it's pretty clear, there's going to be, once Steve Cohen takes over, there's going to be change in the front office. That, I think, uh, is as clear as, as, as uh, the nose in your face. But is that also going to include the manager? And uh, that's the poll question for today. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Do you think Luis Rojas will be uh, one and done? And the, uh, ch- the options are, heck yes, or heavens no. I would say, well, it's tough to say heavens no, because I don't think that he has really distinguished himself in a short, short period of time. I think the overall theme, though, is it's very hard to make any judgments on Rojas this year. It's hard to make any judgments on anyone this year based solely on this year. And the assumption is the Mets are not going to make I mean, they're certainly not trending in the way. But again, they could have a good week and things will look a whole lot differently. But, you know, rookie managers in this season, I think it's just hard to make any judgments on him or anyone based only on this season. Like there's some, you know, Brody, he's only been here for a season and, you know, a little bit. But that uh, that first season, <laughs> that full season, that gave you all the information that you kind of needed to know. And it was that was an out-of-the-box kind of hire to begin with. So, And I think you do have to keep in mind, and this is always the case, managers are asked to do so little 
their success, especially rookie managers, their success largely depends on a good front office. And even though it's only been a year and a little bit, uh, that is clearly not the case for, you know, that's something that Luis Rojas does not have going in his favor. That evidence is uh, pretty overwhelming. And I get it, new owner, fresh start, clean house, uh, and that may happen. I just think it's very difficult to judge him on this year when this year is all you have to judge him on. Whenever possible. Play side two of Zeppelin 4. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98. And of course, this is Cashmere, so it's not even on Zeppelin 4. That's the, the, the movie flub there from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But it is the Gordon Damer Show, a show filled with flubs of its own. And of course, we take you up until 6 o'clock, at which time it is Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. But uh, the poll question up for today, it is on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, and it is all about uh, Luis Rojas. You know, trying to find different what I can't do Yankee poll questions every single day. We went NFL yesterday, and, and the numbers were good. Couldn't find really anything all that pressing. Uh, I guess I could have went with, will Alvin Kamara end up retiring from the NFL simply to avoid the fate of being on Gordon's fantasy team? I mean, did I tell you? Did I mention it on Monday? I, I might have mentioned it even before then, but I know for sure Monday when I have anything to do with any players in the NFL on a fantasy football team, those players are doomed. So we'll have the latest on Alvin Kamara coming up. But uh, the poll question, which is up for today and is on Twitter, is about Luis Rojas, do you think, with the changes coming, right? Steve Cohen, it seems like just a a matter of time before he is um, taking over. Do you think that among the changes will be in the manager's seat for Luis Rojas? I mean, look, Luis Rojas, I don't think, has done anything really to distinguish himself so far. I think it is a bit of an overreaction, but I can understand fans where it's not even really about Luis Rojas per se. It's just that after everything that's gone on over the last couple of years, everything to do with the Wilpons, everything to do with Brody, that you just say, you know what? It's not even that you want a cleansing. It's almost like you want an exorcism. You know what I mean? You just want everything, no matter, even if you like things with the team, it's almost like you just want change for change's sake. So I can kind of understand that. But uh, I, I think it's a little unfair, really, as I said, to be judging anyone based only on this year. Now, if there had been trends beyond this year, like uh, a perfect example, Gary Sanchez is struggling this year, right? He's been terrible. If he was only struggling this year, if this year was the one year where, you know, you see him swinging at pitches and, and, and taking fastballs right down the middle, I would say the same thing. I think it's a little unfair to judge him solely on this year. Problem for Gary Sanchez is it's not just this year. one 800 espn one 800 So, of course, the Yankees last night, big news for them. They beat the Rays. I know. It's crazy. It happened. It happened. Beat the Rays. Yes. It happened. 5-3. Yankees actually can beat Tampa. I didn't know that was possible. But the story of the game and the story that's going to get the real run today is about what happened, I guess, early in the game, but especially late. Tampa not happy that Araldis Chapman comes in and is coming high and tight, right? Comes in high and tight to a couple of guys. Had, I think it was a 101-mile-an-hour pitch behind the uh, head of Mike Brasso uh, this after going high and tight. And a couple of guys in the ninth inning. So Kevin Cash was ticked. I think I could come up with a better word. I don't think I could use it <laughs> on the air. But he was upset. He got ejected. 
So then the game ends and the benches clear. I guess that's a benches clearing. The bullpen comes out there, but the game's over. So nothing really happens. But after the game, Kevin Cash, Rays manager, very upset. So here's Kevin Cash after the game about what happened earlier in the game with Masahiro Tanaka plunking a guy and then Chapman coming in and coming high and tight several times, including the pitch over the head of Brasso. We've gone battles, and look, you're going to get some of this at the time when you're playing a short season with so many games, but it's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees, uh, certainly the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. They hit Joey Wendell intentionally in the first inning. It was clear as day. Chapman comes in. He throws three different balls up and in. I get it. They don't like being thrown up and in, but enough's enough. We're talking about a hundred mile an hour fastball over a young man's head. It just it makes no sense. It's 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 poor poor judgment. Poor judgment. Poor coaching. It's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. The chirping from the dugout. I, I mean, somebody would have to tell me. Go pull the numbers. Who's hit who more? Uh, but I can assure you, other than the Three years ago, there hasn't been one pitch thrown with intent from any of our guys, period. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. Okay, so there is Kevin Cash. And let me state from the start, nobody should be intentionally throwing at guys' heads. Forget about throwing 101. Throwing 88, you should not be throwing. Just don't do it. You could end a guy's career. You could end a guy's life. So absolutely, it is dangerous, and it should be, you know, the baseball should come down as hard as they can when there is evidence of people throwing at people's heads. No problem with that statement at all. That said, Kevin Cash has got some set. Boy, oh boy, this is the Rays thing. And listen again to what he said there. The first thing that jumps out to you should, I mean, I think it jumps out to everybody. Outside of three years ago, nobody on our team threw it with intention to, to, to hit anybody. Okay, so what you're admitting is that three years ago, you had a guy throwing intentionally at the Yankees. But the, the, this is the race thing. They come up and in at guys all the time. What was it, two years ago, CC hit one of the Rays and said, that's for you, buddy. He didn't say buddy, but you know what I'm saying. Outside of three years ago. So what you're saying is that, yes, you have done this before. And I get it. They don't like it being uh, us throwing up and in. But yeah, mainly because that's your thing. That's your thing. That's something that you do. And it's been well documented. It happens with the Yankees and the Rays. It happens with the Red Sox and the Rays. It happens with a lot of teams. The common denominator is it happens with the Rays. Then the second thing, the end of the clip, there's no other way to interpret it that he is, he's issuing a threat. I have a bunch of guys who throw 98. How is that not a threat? Kevin Cash embarrassed himself last night. There's no other way to put it. And I really think that he probably should be suspended. You know, you, you can't go out and, and get all worked up over something that you yourself have done and admitted that three years ago one of his players intentionally threw at the head of an opponent, threatening to have his guys throw at uh, the Yankees today. 
You can't be that outraged about the action if your reaction is, well, tomorrow I'm going to show you how it's done. I mean, that's basically his reaction. I didn't like this. The Yankees are in the wrong here. They shouldn't be doing this. We're going to do it tomorrow. Forget about poor coaching, poor teaching. Yeah, we're going to show you how. That would be like the Astros being upset at someone for cheating. So Kevin Cash, I thought, completely embarrassed himself by basically issuing a statement before the next meeting that he's going to have, he's got guys that can throw at the Yankees. Yeah, we know that, Kevin, because it's already happened. It happens repeatedly. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so we got headlines coming up. Let's squeeze a couple of calls in here uh, in this segment. Let's go out to uh, is it Alex in North Carolina. Alex, you're first up on ESPN New York. What's going on? Uh, oh, oh, hi. How are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, you do a great job. Um, Thank you. I'm a, I have a, yeah, yeah, you do. You definitely do. Uh, my uh, friends, I got a friend, he's a Mets fan, and you're talking about getting rid of the whole thing. And I just want to see your perspective, perspective one more time about the whole situation. Um, getting rid of the coach, you think that's a good idea? Even the coach, I don't think it's fair for him. I mean, he was dealt a wrong deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, uh, Kev, uh, Alex, I'm sorry. I, I agree with you uh, that I think it would be unfair to be judging the manager off of this year and solely this year. I think it's it's tough to make any judgments on on a wacky year. That said, mm-hmm. I do understand fans of the Mets who feel like with everything that's gone on, not that it's Luis Rojas's fault. I don't think anybody's blaming him for for, for the state of the team per se, but I can understand okay. fans when new ownership comes in that you just want a change of everything. And not that Luis mm-hmm. Rojas is a culprit number one, two, or three, but that he could mm-hmm. kind of get mixed up in the wash with it. Gotcha. I right. Well, thank you so much for your uh, perspective. Alex, that's what I'm about. Like, I get a bad rap by people who don't really know me that well. Uh, you know, oh, you're just saying that you're, you're one of the, you're that guy. I get tabbed with that a lot. You're that guy. You're always, you know, you got to be the contrarian. You got to look at the other side of things. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm about bringing people together. That's what I do. Brian, you work with me every single day, just about. Have you ever met someone who looks to bring people together like I do? <laughs> you do always try to bring people together. I try to bring people together. I try to get people to common ground. You know, let's let's not focus on our differences. Let's focus on the things we have in common. Like That's make what sure I'm about. you guys hate the Astros. That was a big tick from you. Right, uh, everyone hates the Astros. We can let's. I, it feels like the world is so divided right now. This thing, that thing, all these different things. I feel like there needs to be, even if it's only one hour at five o'clock in the morning, where we find people and we uh, we we bring them together. That a kumbaya kind of moment, and and that's what I'm about. So. As Michael K. Show trivia champion Gordon Damer, that that's what I, Michael K. Show trivia. Yes, Brian, absolutely. Gonna have to have a. I'm gonna have to have a talk with Brian after the show, obviously. Uh, and also, Stump Rothenberg, living legend Gordon Damer, now effective, up to 87 percent accuracy. So that's what I'm about, Alex. And uh, for everyone out there, you know, sometimes I get a bad rap from people that don't really know me, but uh, that's what I'm about. I'm about finding common. That one's hammered into right center field. Long run for Frazier, and he makes the play. 
A full body dive to the backhand side, and he hauls it in and took a double away from Wendell. Oh, the great Michael Kay with the call. Courtesy of, yes, Yankees get the win over the Rays last night. Clint Frazier, the, the diving catch in right field, and uh, nice to see. Uh, you know, there were some questions about Clint Frazier last year when he kind of – it seemed like he developed the yips in the outfield, and it was, uh, you know, something that was certainly there. And it was a, it seemed like a question pretty much all year where you just couldn't really trust him in the outfield. And this was a guy that at least early on, you know, kind of projected – as a center fielder now, he doesn't project as a center fielder now, but you know he, he was a, a fine outfielder in the past up until last year and then just kind of developed this like mental block where it just seemed like every ball hit to him was an adventure. So good to see him overcoming that and uh, the Yankees getting a win. But of course, uh, today is Wednesday. So you know what that means, people. It means it is time for headlines. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. Okay, first headline, New York Post, watch what happens when woman unearths 24-year-old McDonald's meal. So this woman uh, bought like a, uh, it wasn't a cheeseburger, which is, uh, it was just a hamburger and fries. Uh, And what happens over 24 years is apparently nothing. It it, it actually doesn't look really all that different. It looks pretty much uh, normal. And I'll be honest with you, not that I would do it, but I bet you those fries are still delicious. Who among us has not dropped a fry on the ground in the car while driving and you you put your hand down the middle of that, you know, between the driver's seat and the console and you're looking for that fry and then you find it and you pop it right in your mouth? No judgments, people. That's not, I'm not about judgments. Again, I'm about bringing people together with common experiences. So in terms of what the, the meal actually looks like, it uh, does uh, not look all that weird. And it's weird. What's weird is did this woman do this intentionally where she bought a meal and said, you know what, I'm just going to hold on for this, for this for 24 years and then pop it open and see what it looks like. 24 years seems like a very strange timeline for a time capsule, right? 20 years, get it. 25 years, absolutely. 24 seems strange. Or did she just kind of buy this, forget she had it, and then, oh, look, oh, is it McDonald's hamburger? And fr- I don't know which one it was. Again, it's headlines. It's not stories. I don't read the stories. I just look at the headlines. Extra, and McDonald's extra. is delicious, as long as you don't compare it to actual food. Okay, moving on. Car crash deaths surge nationwide, even with fewer vehicles on the road. Well, who called this more than me? I said right at the beginning of the pandemic, With so few cars on the road, the cars that were out there treated the roads like it was the Wild West, man. There were no laws, just kind of like suggestions. Like, ah, you might not want to go from the fast lane all the way to the exit ramp in one fell swoop. But if you do, eh, there's not really anything we're going to do to stop you. So that's the first thing, that people treated the roads like there were no laws. And then secondly, and this is is clear, I mean, if you drive, think about how many bad drivers you encounter in the course of a day, even if you're not driving far. I had to go to some place. Where did I go the other day? It was like a 15-minute ride. I had three people that had me, like, pulling my hair out. And what happens is a lot of these people have not been driving for months and months and months. And what do you think happens to a skill when you don't use the skill? It gets worse. And plenty of them were not good to begin with. All right, moving on. Extra, extra. Queens karaoke joint shut down after NYPD raid found 75 patrons inside. Well, look, I get it. Being cooped up, 
being forced to stay in the house, staying away from people. You need to get out. You need a break. You need a breath of fresh air. You miss the gym. You miss restaurants. You miss bars. Karaoke? You miss karaoke? That's what you're risking things for? Now look, again, I don't look down on people. Karaoke is fine under the right circumstances. But that's what you're risking things for? Karaoke? That seems strange. The fact that there's 75 people, I feel like the NYPD should dive into these people's backgrounds because there's got to be something else going on there. Extra, extra. UFO sightings are up 51% amid coronavirus, according to data. Uh, I would simply, again, it's headlines, not stories, so I didn't look at this. But uh, I would just simply ask, how much, are, how much is drug use up by? I'm, gu- <laughs> I'm guessing it's up high. If you were playing card sharks... And uh, who was the host of Card Sharks again? I don't remember. Higher or lower than 51% of uh, people using drugs? Is drug use up by more than 51%? Higher or lower? I'm guessing most of us would go higher on that one. All right, speaking of, this week in Florida Man. Florida Man arrested with pound of cocaine, some found on a stack of bacon. Extra, extra. New bacon, new and improved, now with cocaine. Florida man arrested for robbery while out on bond. Extra, extra. Florida man claims language barrier during DUI arrest but speaks English in court. Extra, extra. Florida man burns through $180,000 fighting a lawsuit barring him from posting cat photos. Extra, extra. Drunken, flailing, bike-riding Florida man yelling at patrons at a Publix parking lot asks deputy, What's your problem, punk? Extra, extra. Florida man ex-sheriff's deputy re-arrested for stalking and intimidation because he thought it was funny. Extra, extra. Florida man fires gun at witch, believing she had previously cast a spell on him. Extra, extra. And finally, Florida man with mohawk well, that's not really all that. Florida man with mohawk arrested after stealing $6,000 puppy from Petland. They caught him because he left his ID and his bicycle at the store. Extra, extra. What are they making these puppies out? Are they making them out of cocaine-laced bacon? $6,000 puppy. Boy, that, that, that better be like a butler. $6,000. All right, that's going to do it for headlines for this week. Florida man never uh, ceasing to uh, keep us entertained. Hey, Disney's new movie, Mulan. Experience the legend of Mulan as she fights to defend her family and uh, the kingdom. Available to Disney Plus subscribers who unlock Premier Access. And, you know, I've, I, the last movie I saw in the theater, the, one of the previews, was for Mulan. And uh, I, I turned to my wife after watching the preview for Mulan. And I said, Is there, so basically now, there is nothing they can't make look real in movies. Like you can have a guy riding a horse, jumping off the horse, doing a flip in the air, grabbing his sword and coming down. And there's nothing you can't do because that's the, one of the, the clips that I still remember from the preview. I've not seen the movie yet. I don't know. When does it premiere? Do we have a premiere date? Is it up already? I don't know. But it, September is, 4th. Uh, it looks on. What is it? September 4th. So this weekend. Yes, this yeah, Friday. So the kid, I know the kids are looking forward to. Uh, I mean, look, we're all looking for. We're all when we do net picks and chill. It's all about trying to find new things. And here's a Milan, which was supposed to come out. I want to say back in March, I think. 
And so it comes out uh, this weekend and it looks unbelievable. And it just shows you there's nothing they can't do in movies anymore. Nothing. All right. So it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. In case you're just getting up, just getting rolling today. Of course, we uh, kind of already discussed the NBA playoffs as uh, last night, the Nuggets taking down the Jazz. So uh, they take game seven there, 80 to 78. And after, you know, all the fireworks of the first six games, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, who's going for 50 tonight, uh, Denver scores 30 points in the second half, blows a 19-point lead, but they still get the win. So they're moving on, and uh, the Jazz are going home, and Utah now the 12th team to blow a 3-1 series lead. And with the way the game kind of went, I know it was more of a defensive battle, but it also feel like guys were maybe a little out of gas, and it'll be interesting to see if the Nuggets – who only really have one full day to recover uh, before game one against the Clippers. So they're moving on, but uh, now they're going to have to deal with that as uh, they uh, go up against um, L.A. in the the second round. And then, of course, the Celtics up 2-0 on the Raptors last night, 102-99. And then you get a couple of fascinating games tonight at game two, which is critical for the Bucs, right? I said before, Game ones are so overblown. Everybody, oh my God, what happened in game one? Well, that's going to have to be the story for the whole series. Yeah, that's generally not the case. Teams make adjustments. Players make adjustments. And the, the series takes on a life of its own. So just because the Heat were able to beat the Bucks in game one does not necessarily mean that the Bucks are in trouble. They lost game one in the previous series. They were fine. They've had some, some slip-ups in these playoffs, uh, you know, when they lost that, uh, that game to the Nets in the, the ramp up to the playoffs. That didn't look all that great. That said, game two is critical. You better win game two. I, I'm not going out on a limb just yet after game one, but if Miami is able to take down the Bucks again in game two, well then just by simple math, Miami is halfway to accomplishing what they want to do, which is be the first team to get to four wins. And then also you have the Rockets and Thunder tonight, which it certainly seems like if it's not tonight, it's not too far in the uh, the offing that the the run for the Rockets, the the window of opportunity for the Houston Rockets with Mike D'Antoni and James Harden, it looks like at least under this current configuration, uh, it doesn't look like there's too much more time left there for them. The other big story today is the Yankees uh, beating the Rays last night. No, not just that they beat the Rays, which is a story in and of itself, right? The fact that they could finally beat Tampa and they get the win. But the, the real story is what happened late. Tampa was not happy with Araldis Chapman coming up and in on several pitches, but uh, the biggest one was a pitch, hundred and I think it was 101 behind the head of uh, Mike Brasso. Uh, this after going high and tight to a couple of guys. Kevin Cash was not very happy. He got ejected. The game ends. The benches kind of get together. The bullpen guys come out of there. But the game was over. But after the game, Kevin Cash was still upset. So let's play Kevin Cash again because I thought it was interesting what he had to say. It's a little bit of a long cut, but here is Rays manager Kevin Cash, and he is not happy. We've gone battles, and look, you're going to get some of this at the time when you're playing a short season with so many games, but it's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees, uh, certainly the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. They hit Joey Wendell intentionally in the first inning. It was clear as day. Chapman comes in, he throws three different balls up and in. I get it. They don't like being thrown up and in, but enough's enough. We're talking about a 100-mile-an-hour fastball over a young man's head. It just it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's poor, poor judgment, poor judgment, 
poor coaching. It's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. The chirping from the dugout. I, I mean, somebody would have to tell me, go pull the numbers, who's hit who more. Uh, but I can assure you, other than the three years ago, there hasn't been one pitch thrown with intent from any of our guys, period. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. All right. So those things that Kevin Cash had to say, I think they sounded a lot better inside his head than when he used his outside voice. Uh, I think that, you know, you ever get into an argument with your wife or, or a friend and, all oh, you know what I'm going to say? And then you get the opportunity to say it and then you say it. and It doesn't sound as good as you thought it was going to sound. That's how Kevin Cash sounded because he is, A, someone on this topic who does not have a whole lot of credibility. I mean, this is the raise thing. And as I said before, nobody should be throwing intentionally at a guy's head. If you're throwing 89 miles an hour, that's still not good. You shouldn't do it. could end a guy's career. It could end a guy's life. So that, it, let me preface it by saying all that. But Kevin Cash has no credibility. This is the raise thing. They throw up and in a guy's all the time, even in the scrum, you can uh, – John Boy, John Boy Media, has the, the clip uh, of someone on the Yankees saying, you guys were throwing in our heads all day yesterday. Now, I don't know who it was. He thought it was Voight. It was really kind of tough to, to, to pick it out. But this is, a, this is a running theme with the Rays, and Kevin Cash seems like a guy who got a little dose of his own medicine, and he didn't like it. So for him to say, I get they don't like being thrown up and in – I think part of it, him saying that is, well, that's our thing. Don't, don't be stealing our th- – that's our move. Don't be stealing our move. So the two things that really jump out that he says, A, well, outside of three years ago, there's not been one guy who's thrown a pitch with intent. Well, then you're admitting that three years ago someone did throw a pitch with intent. That's the first thing. Then basically issuing a threat – There's no other way that that can be interpreted by saying I have a bunch of guys who throw 98. I I don't think, I I mean, if baseball wants to do anything, and, you know, they they probably, I mean, cheating scandals that uh, impact World Series, they don't really feel like doing anything about those. So I don't expect them to do anything about this. But I, I don't understand how Kevin Cash, how you can make the case that Kevin Cash shouldn't be suspended. He embarrassed himself with the things that he had to say yesterday. There is no other way to put it. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Justin is in Tom's River. Justin, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's up, Jordan? How you doing, man? Good morning. Uh, I want to make two points. I totally agree with you with with Kevin Cash, man. He totally embarrassed himself yesterday. He really sounded like my father throwing a tantrum, you know, and I'm kind of glad the Yankees kind of threw at them. You know, everybody kind of holds the Yankees to a higher standard. You know, in my opinion, it's hard for an eye. They're going to throw out one of your guys, you you throw high and tight to them. And uh, I'm glad the Yankees came back last night and won that game. But also, I want to make a point about the Jets. You know, I'm kind of really disappointed with the Jets. You know, when you draft a quarterback, you're supposed to surround them with some talent. And I'm glad they finally addressed the offensive line. It seems like the organization is going in the right direction. But, I mean, honestly, I don't know how they're going through this year with, with the receiving core they have this year. Granted, they have Chris Herndon. I'm hoping he's going to take a nice step this year. But considering the receiving core they have around him, I don't really know how you expect the Jets to have a successful season this year offensively. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially with the injuries that they're having right now. I mean, uh, you know, Mims being out, other guys being out, who knows how long they're going to be out. I do think for Joe Douglas, 
you know, I know he's been here now over a year, but I, I think that you're really seeing how difficult it is to overcome the wreckage of the Mike McCagnan era because the I, I Jets totally, were just – I totally, I, I totally agree with you. I think he's doing a good job. I think he got a nice haul for Jamal Adams. I really didn't want to see him go, but I mean, it, you know, it's almost like Keyshawn Johnson trade. I think it's going to change the organization if he makes the right draft picks for the future. But I mean, I just don't know how you expect to develop it. Sam Darnold. I mean, we don't know what he is. I think he's going to be a decent quarterback. I hope, he, I hope he pans out. But I mean, he doesn't even have a wide receiver to really go deep to. You know, he just has nobody to throw the ball down the field and get separation. So I don't know how you can have success at all this year, really, offensively. Hopefully, Le'Veon Bell starts to come around a little bit. But, I mean, Adam Gase doesn't handle that properly evenly. It's just a mess. I really hope they start to clean this up. Yeah, I I mean, look, I think it's going to take more than one. Justin, thanks for the call. I think it's going to take more than one offseason for him to be able to do that. I do find it kind of interesting that it almost seems like, in terms of money, the purse strings are still a little tight. Right, like uh, you know, there's still some moves to be made, and Gawkway would have been a. I get you don't want to give up draft capital there because you are a rebuilding team, and he's a guy that's going to be looking for a contract. But um, you know, it doesn't seem like the, the 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 Jets are going all out in terms of uh, improving the team in all ways possible because that defense still needs a pass rush. I mean, how many years had uh, if we had a poll question between what has been longer running? The, the Knicks' need for competence or the Jets' need for a pass rusher. It probably would be Knicks, but it would be close. I mean, I feel like it has been 10 years that we've been saying the Jets need a pass rusher, Jets need a pass rusher, Jets need a pass rusher. And, you know, Ngakwe was out there, Clowney's out there right now, and it doesn't seem like they're really uh, putting themselves in position to do that. So, yeah, it is frustrating. I get it. I think in terms of the wide receivers – the health issue is a major problem right now. They need to get guys healthy and somehow keep them healthy because it was not an area of strength to begin with. I do give Joe Douglas a little bit of a pass because I just think that while they had a lot of picks this year and we'll see how those picks turn out, I think what you're seeing is this is just the wreckage of all the bad picks of Mike McCann. You know, like when people say, oh, you take a quarterback, if you get it wrong, it sets you back for five years. What does it set you back when, forget about quarterback, all the other picks are terrible? <laughs> I mean, it's got to set you back at least one offseason, right? So it's very difficult. I mean, between corner and wide receiver, those seem like the most glaring areas of need. I don't know that there's going to be a move that they're going to be able to make here before too long. I think that really, at least in the short term, you're hoping that health, overall health, is going to be better, and that includes the quarterback. you got to keep him healthy. Hopefully... Uh, you know, as as Livion told him, or I think it was Livion told him, stay out of the bars. Uh, you got to keep uh, Sam Darnold healthy. And if he could play all 16 games, that might go a, a big way. You know, another thing with the Yankees that I wanted to bring up, maybe we don't have enough time today, but, you know, Gary Sanchez. I mean, his at-bat, was that the second inning last night? His at-bats continue to be awful. And it's a bad sign when Higashioka has better at-bats than, than your starting catcher who you expect to be an all-star caliber type of player. And, and Gar- I mean, it's, it's, it's baffling because, you know, there's so many good things about last night. You know, DJ LeMayhew's fantastic. I mean, the guy's just a cyborg. We mentioned the moment of inspiration, Clint Frazier, the D in right field, you know, blossoming as a player. Luke Voigt slugging is over 700. But yet when you watch the game, even with all the good things going on, it, it's kind of hard not to just be infuriated 
by Gary Sanchez. So Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated breaks down Sanchez and, and kind of looked at him over the last couple of years. Here's some interesting stats. 157 breaking pitches. Sanchez is 2 for 34. 19 strikeouts, 0 extra base hits. Not hard to find out that he has 0 extra base He has 11 hits altogether this year, so that's not really all that surprising. Over the last three years, Sanchez has hit 178 on breaking pitches, 204 overall, worst for a Yankee through the ages of 25 and 27, even below Joel Skinner, which is a a name that certain Yankee fans of a certain age will uh, remember. Uh, Now, unfortunately, Verducci goes on to make a comparison to Kevin Moss, which is ridiculous. But the Yankees, I mean, uh, everybody's saying it. They have to go back to the drawing board on this guy. I mean, there's no hard judgments on a simply a 60-game season, but when it's been, it's been more than just a 60-game season for the struggles of Gary Sanchez. And if anything, it seems like he's trending in the wrong direction and going down further. All right, it's going to do it for us for today. We're already out of time? Already out of time. Uh, please, vote on the poll question. We're still taking your suggestions for greatest TV show of all time. At Gordon Dammer. Podcast will be up in an hour. If you think the show sounded good the first time, wait until Brian edits out all my mistakes. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Gordon Dammer, and we'll see you tomorrow. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.